Welcome to Triathlon-ish. This week, Laura Sedol and Ruth Astell are giving us all the inside scoop on the Pro Triathletes organization. Both of them sit on the athlete board, so they're going to walk us through what the board does, how the PTO is structured, the work that went into the new ranking system, and what is planned next. But first, Sid and I have a quick chat about this weekend's races right after this. All right, Sid, we handed the mic over to you this week to talk with Ruth, do a whole PTO behind the scenes. I'm trying to think what to call it. <laughs> expose. Yeah. No, yeah. No. Don't, not, don't. Mind you, maybe we should clickbait that. Maybe that should be the Instagram tag. Like we expose or we, we uncover all the behind the scenes at the PTO. <laughs> Subscribe to him. Oh Subscribe. And give us your money so you can hear more. And then it'd be totally like let down. I was going to say, because <laughs> Ruth's uh, internet went out. So we could be like, Ruth Astle storms yes. out. <laughs> <laughs> be brilliant yes oh it jokes that like only triathletes would yes. care about right now ah uh, exactly but we will so we're gonna hand it over to you guys we're gonna do a quick a little intro here it's a holiday and you're in the u.s yes. so you had a whole holiday right don't you love it when people ask you what you're doing for your holiday and i had As, no idea it was a holiday and for me the, the one thing that normally tells me if it's holidays if my cafe is open or not <laughs> and the cafe was open so i was like this is fine it's all okay the world is normal um yeah, is it President's Day? Something like that. I'm going to show my ignorance. It's President's so, Day. Which I don't... Yeah, you're supposed to buy cars and furniture. Oh, is that? Um, that's what you do on Oh, is that what you meant to do? Oh, I didn't know. So it's like another blacks, like a sale weekend. I think, yeah. damn, I didn't know that. I should have bought all my furniture for my apartment. Um, yeah, I never know holidays in other places, nor who is off and who is like off work. And, but we do have a master's swim on a on a Monday, um, which is predominantly our squad, but obviously it is open to anybody. And it was a little bit busier today with a few, actually they're still within our squad, but obviously they have proper normal jobs. So can't normally sort of come at that, that lunchtime. (laughs) Although (laughs) I was just telling you off air that, um, we turn up and, um, it was quite, it was busy today and very heavily weighted towards the fast swimmers. And I'm kind of in this sort of middle ground, not quite on their time repeats but a little bit faster than the than some of the other guys that would on a side up. point side point that is the kind of like i go to masters and i'm like the fastest person there you're faster than i am and you go to masters and i'm and like, you're like, I'm, the like third to, I'm like third to the yeah. third lane from the slowest of like an eight lane pool kind of thing um <laughs> and we had so we had a lot we were very top heavy on the fast swimmers but then the range of swimming ability on the not so fast i will say not is bigger fast, so right. you have to kind of almost give anyway so we're standing at, you know, start of the session, we're trying to work out who's in what lane and who's turning up and Taylor Nib comes and stands in my lane and I'm like, mm-hmm, yeah. no, nope. Taylor, nope. Uh, you're not in my lane. You need to sort of move a little bit further to the left. She's like, why? How do you know what I'm swimming like? I'm like, Taylor, you're slow swimming. It's fast. You know, you're lapping me if you're swimming slowly and I'm swimming flat out. And she's like, oh no, but I've only been, I was like, no. No, I can totally just, picture her being like, no, yeah. no, no, I've been, I haven't been training that much. Like, no, I'm like, yeah, no, yeah. it's not going to happen. <laughs> please don't come in my lane in the nicest possible way. It's really great to see you. Welcome to our session, but please F off down there. <laughs> 
fun fact that people might have missed in the newsletter. She uh, pulled herself, I don't know if she, she pulled herself off the uh, Abu Dhabi WTCS start list. And so Katie Zafaris got her start spot. Mm. And so Katie will be making her first return post childbirth at Abu Dhabi now. Ooh, that is interesting. I didn't know that. I hadn't spotted that one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, gosh, the US is, it's going to be exciting times. Like normally it's the Brit, well, British in the US normally have a, yeah, yeah. It's normally hectic. Yeah, U.S. Olympic, uh, Olympic selections is crazy this year. This is yeah. it is quite yeah. The U.S. Olympic women's team you have four of the top twenty right now, and that doesn't count Katie who is yeah. coming back, and so not yeah. right, and that doesn't count Gwen who is making her return this weekend. And it doesn't count anyone who's uh, coming over from other sports. <laughs> right, so it's a lot, yeah. uh, which is why I might just fly out to the Paris Test event for forty eight hours just to watch. Do it, it. Yeah. do it. Be pretty cool. Why not? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to do a recce of Paris. Is pretty cool. Pretty nice place. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's all right yeah. um should we say that you did but, you did give me the reins this week for the the chat with ruth i was it second time no third time maybe i'm on my left on my own i'm not sure i've got the training wheels off yet <laughs> i still had a few there's an issue at the beginning that no one heard when i again got on the call extra early prepared sorted out the microphones ruth dials in and she can't hear me i panic come out of the meeting, realize I just haven't switched the microphone on. It's always a good one. Always helpful. And then, um, yeah, at the, the ending will be uh, quite amusing. Well, either people will be like, That's what fine. the hell's going on? Or they'll find it quite amusing. Yeah, yeah. I was going to edit it all together. It'll be flawless. No one will notice. Yeah, it's, it's great. Fine. You won't. You've left me and completely hung me out, haven't you? <laughs> But before we get to that, this past weekend was Wanaka. Yes. Um, kind of the start of the season. Yeah. Uh, I didn't realize. So in addition to the Challenge Wanaka half, which, um, God, I'm losing who won. Uh, Grace, Grace Thek. Thek, that's who won. Yep. And Jack Moody. Yep. And um, so that was, you know, obviously the half is the, but I didn't realize they also had like a, a W yeah. tra- triathlon so, sprint cup. So yeah. if you go back years and years of this race, um, they used to do a Friday night like world triathlon or WTS, whatever you call it, a sprint race. And then it kind of disappeared for various reasons. Um, And so this year I think was the, I think it might be the second year back, but the first year back properly. Mm -hmm. Um, And super exciting because it's done right in the center of town. Um, You've got all, you know, the main roads lined with all the cafes and bars and it's Friday night and just a great atmosphere. And I think they got some really great um, support from athletes there. You know, Emma Jeffcoat came over from Australia. And then I think for me, the interesting thing was seeing Kyle Smith go back to, back to short course racing and a sprint distance. He's, you know, made no um, secret of the fact he wants to give Paris a shot for New Zealand. I was going to say, and, what, was, what was going on there? And I think, yeah. you know, from a first race out, be it a sprint distance, I think, you know, he came second, but it was pretty close between the top three. Um, the Australian, whose name has just escaped me, um, won, and then Kyle was second, so first New Zealander home, um, just ahead of of a, a teammate but I think you know that is a kind of a a good sign for him and a warning shot and I think he he wasn't quite blowing the cobwebs away he was think that he I think he was that tripping hurt right. <laughs> um the yeah. uh this is the exciting thing about Olympic qualifying years because yeah. people people throw people throw crazy shit out yeah. there because they're just like why not right you remember when Chris McCormick tried to make the Olympics yes. yeah after like coming out of retirement like, no, that was probably not, not gonna happen yeah. but you know the, th- the exciting <laughs> thing about Kyle he is one of the best swimmers and can ride his bike. Mm-hmm. And so if you think maybe they're putting their eggs in the Hayden Wild basket, but 
Kyle mm. could be a domestique for Hayden in that race. Like that could be where they're thinking. And so, yeah, it's exciting. And when you put someone like Kyle back in the mix or the other New, New Zealand boys that were going for those slots over the last few years, they've got to kind of step it up as well. If that's all, it's not quite a done, done deal. Right. So, no, yeah. it's because uh, generally speaking, most of the countries, the first qualifying is like this August at Paris and then grand final at September. And then all the countries that do their thing where they just make it up, like Australia, <laughs> they just will like pick sometime in the spring. Um, af- but they'll take into consideration all of those races. So those are kind of the big ones that yeah. everyone's watching, I think. And, and I'm but the just... other thing about Wanaka was... Well, I was just oh, going to say, I was just going to say, so yeah, share. because I felt bad. So uh, <laughs> Nicole van der Kay won on the women's side of it with Bria Roderick and Emma Jeffcoat was in third. And then on the boys' side of it, it was... Um, Oh, they're saying to... Uh, yeah, Callum McCluskey. I thought it was who won. Carl was um, second and then Taylor Reed in third. I saw Taylor yeah. Reed, yeah. Um, the other thing, though, that was interesting at Wanaka was they tested Race Ranger. Yes. I always say Raider, but it's Ranger, Ranger. again. And... I talked to James um, at Race Ranger a couple of weeks ago after the first test they did at Ironman no. New Zealand, I want to say. No, no uh, it was Tauranga. Tauranga Half, Taranga. which is independent. Ironman yeah. New Zealand in a couple of weeks, and they were planning... That, but they're going to do it at that one to too. do it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He told me... But, like, and so we talked about a little bit about the technology, and that's certainly what they're trying to work out, some certain little, like, tech kinks. And we talked about how that works some... But then the thing I like that to me is just like, okay, you're going to work it out. You'll figure it out. But the thing I keep coming back to is like, how is this actually going to work on a mass scale? And like, how are you going to fund it? And how is it going to like, like, how are you going to get a 2000 person Ironman on board with like <sighs> tags on every person's well, bike? You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's where it gets a little, well, I mean, I would me. say initially it's for the pros racing. So it's to yeah. make that fair. And I think then if, and, and from what I've seen and what I've heard speaking to the guys as well, um, it's certainly been really positive reaction from the professionals who are racing with it. I know, you know, Sebi Kinlay was in Wanaka. He's probably mm-hmm. one of the most experienced racers that we've got at the moment. And, you know, has seen all sorts of changes in technology over his career. Um, and he was sort of, yeah, saying how good it was and lots of other things. I think, so I think if we can get it on board for the professional racing, yes, there are kinks with, lapped courses and when you're going to have age groupers coming up and mix it in with pro racing which again Mm -hmm. is another argument for like hey bigger gaps between the pros and the age groupers or separate days or whatever it is um and i think though if the pros are on board that races get on board and it starts to build momentum then you can start looking at how you potentially would yeah do it in a mass but, but i'm not sure that was the original intention i think it was yeah I was gonna say, but the, the reality pros. is as a company yeah, you, they need to make yeah. money right the race ranger yeah. like their plan isn't to do this like for free yeah. their plan is to make money yeah. and the way they're going to make money is by charging a per fee. fee yeah and so like they're testing it on the pros right now and that's certainly where the most appeal is but they like they and this is what james yeah. was, like they cannot yeah. make money on just pros their plan is to sell some kind of like mass yeah kind of like you know how like all kinds of race vendors sell yeah chips you know timing chips chips, timing chips or photos or bibs or whatever um and that's where you start to open up interesting conversations about like would iron man have a competitive wave where you have to have this and a non-competitive you know you pay like 20 dollars extra or whatever it is yeah to be like i want to qualify for kona and i will you know have one of these on my bike yeah that's a possibility. Yeah, and so. yeah, I mean, and I think you know it'd be exciting and interesting to see how that side of it develops with 
the math start. You know, there's a lot of things. Yes, it's so for people who don't know, it's basically two units that attach to your bike and it sends different light signals to show the person behind what how far they are from a draft zone, which can be set, so you can change that obviously. Um and then also the interesting thing is that information can go back to an iPad that a technical official has and they don't have to be mm-hmm. at on at that point in the race to see that somebody's drafting. Now I will say a drafting penalty at the moment still needs to be given on site yeah. at the person. But what it can do is it can flag that there might be something going on. The t- technical official can go and ride to that spot, assess the situation, see what's happening, and then warn or, or give a penalty. I guess, I, and I'm just thinking completely off the top of my head, that side of it could be interesting because they can't get around the whole race of age groupers. We've seen the mm-hmm. packs of age groupers going around, but all that data is collected of how long people spend in the draft zone, how much time they're going right. in and out of a draft zone. So you could potentially, with age groupers, you probably can't but retrospectively look at data and be like but you still need to be the plan is you still need to be on site and i totally agree i think the plan is like you have to be to be able to target the worst offenders like you know there are certain high profile age group teams where like you would joke like here comes the train right and they would just like come through on the line and so i think the plan is like then it would tell the refs like hey this guy has like not and the refs then would go to that spot and they would sit behind they'd assess and see what's happening yeah totally i I, still the the penalty has to be given on spot but yeah but it's exciting there's certainly some i do think yeah so i think it like i think the technology is cool i think it'll help a lot with the pros as a mass thing like i think there's definitely some like good way to go business dev Yeah. yeah logistics that need to be worked out um and i've been like asking around with the officials and, too like how would they use yeah it and like, also look they had uh, we had a great conversation with challenge roth recently so some athletes with uh, the organizers and the technical officials in germany talking about how to make the race fair um limiting the number of media bikes which is amazing also like how else could you get media shots you know if, if anyone watched the hmm. the cross the cycle cross world championships the footage of that race, like I felt like I was in the race. It was so incredible. Mm. They were using drones and they were flying drones around this course. So, you know, is that what we can do in our sport now? Like use drones footage to get, and then you could get super close up without affecting athletes and drafting. Anyway, the Roth thing though, and it was, we spoke about race ranger and bringing it to Roth. I'm not saying it's happening. That's their decision, but they were certainly interested um again there's still a little bit of hesitation like do we want to use it when it's perfect or whatever or do we bring it in and use it as a a test which i I think most athletes would prefer the latter in terms of let's just get it in and let's just see how it works and these just help more you know more more times of using it to iron out things um but yeah and as you say like with you know a lapped course and also some races if the pros is 20 meters and age group is 12 mm-hmm. meters then how does that work but you know i think it's a good start or like and, back in the day yeah. you and i were talking about back in the day when there used to be the stagger rule yeah the pros, stagger rule oh not my for gosh. age groupers yeah. and then you would be staggering and then some age group guy would come up by you and just start yelling at you about like why were you on yeah. the left side of the road and you're like shut the fuck up <laughs> yeah <laughs> so and like and, and then like yeah if you're gonna get an age group you know if the the women are at 20 meters, but age group is 12 right. and you get an age group slotting in. How is that? So there, there's stuff like that. But on the whole, super exciting to finally see it out in races and the response it's had has been really encouraging. So I think, yeah, for a start getting out in the pro races and then, yeah, I'm sure they'll look to ways of how they 
how they monetize yeah, it. Yeah, they got to so monetize. Isn't that the, that's the big thing, Sid, is how is everyone going to make money? Yes. Speaking of, the PTO. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> nice link. Nice link, right? So the PTO also announced this past week. Finally, finally, finally we have our announcements of Europe. the European mm-hmm. Open. Woohoo! We like Which, like, party. I was laughing to you. Well, it's, like, funny because, like, everyone kind of knew it was in early May. Yeah. And then it was, like, secret, but it wasn't secret. And then even, like, uh, on the, whatever, Andrew Messick even said it in, like, a podcast. Yeah. But he was like, well, I hear. Which means, like, once Andrew Messick's saying it on a podcast, like, yeah. everyone has heard, right? But it was still secret. And then Jan announced that he was going to be racing. But it wasn't even announced as a race yeah. yet. So it's just all very funny. Yeah. <laughs> but it is now officially in Ibiza. Ibiza, Ibiza, however we say it. Which to me, and I think a lot of people that are British and European, and you saw that come out on some of the, the posts once it had been announced. Now, to us, and we're going to show our age, Ibiza was like where you went after you'd finished school, 18 years old, yeah. for partying. And yeah. it's like, a, you know, Ibiza anthems, and it's all like the yeah. nightclubs open till 8am in the morning, and that sort of thing. So to think of it now as like... <laughs> world triathlon multi-sport world champs yeah. and then the pto european race and so everyone's like well the after party better be freaking good <laughs> well yeah this is how i felt about daytona yeah. by the way when, yeah. like the first year i was like why aren't we partying yeah. spring break <laughs> and i was like what are you talking about um but it also but the other thing that the pto like the second half of that press release like the buried part was actually the bigger part for i think you know that we would be interested yeah. in in that like the PTO opens are going down to six hundred thousand dollars instead of a million. The winner still gets a hundred k, but like it's 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 a smaller. I'm, I'm like gesturing yeah. as if you wouldn't see, but it's like a smaller, deep, not as deep. Yeah. And then it's also smaller field. It's going to be thirty and twenty for Asia Open, I believe, because there's something about Singapore yeah. being more limited. And then the other big one, and this is the one I've heard from a bunch of friends already, is the bonus pool is only going to be for the top fifty not the top 100 this yep. year, right? Yep. Is it less money total or is it just like being redistributed? You know what I'm saying? Is it actually like they, t- I think it is slightly less money, but it's also being consolidated instead of spread out, right? Yes. So um, I would say, so these changes have come about and we discussed it. We had a an athlete board meeting, which we, you know, if you listen to the chat with Ruth, we go into that a bit more. Um, with the commercial team, so with Chris Commode, who's our, our CEO and our chairman, and then um, Sam Renouf, and also Patrick, who's head of operations and events, or head of events, I should say, for the PTO. We're all in LA. And um, there was lots of discussion. So there's been a little bit of consolidation because ultimately at the moment the pto still doesn't have a product to sell to it's media. not making money, it's not making yeah. money. and yeah. we've been sort of hemorrhaging cash over the last few years yeah. but also i would say to that there's not panic in that because that's fairly typical of a startup organization in those mm-hmm. first few years but at some point we have to turn that around and so 2023 is um kind of being it's like the turning it, it's kind the of the turning year. year yeah i think we've we've talked about the term of treading water like we're just holding holding now and we're trying to consolidate as much as we can because there are big exciting plans for 2024 and i they are really big and really exciting um but i can't say anything <laughs> i can't say anything about them um they're super exciting super promise, exciting but super i just secret. can't say anything um so you just have to trust me on that but as a result of that 
and in preparation for that some of that some of those changes are happening this year to try and just consolidate like you can't go to an investor and say oh yeah we've got all these great plans in 2024 which we want your money for and if you can just keep hemorrhaging it for this year that would be really good too so you've got to kind of give the investors a bit like look we want your buy-in for 2024 we need to keep we need to keep the momentum in 2023 but we want to show you that we're being sensible about it and we're just we trying want to show to, you that we're not burning we're not, as exactly much. right so that was my suspicion yeah. was it was an investor but here's the here's the concern a lot of people yeah. have right besides the fact that we all understand like burn rate was too high and if you're going to people and asking for more money you yeah. gotta like kind of stop spending somebody yeah. but the concern i think a lot of people have that i've been hearing is that we're basically just the the rich are getting richer in triathlon. Yeah. That it's consolidating money yep. in the people who are already making. Like Jan doesn't need the PTO's help. No, and look, this is it's one of the things I struggle with a lot, and it's where I'm like appealing or trying to get the athlete board to like, what can we do for the full membership now in the short term that's going to make an impact to them to help them survive as athletes because the commercial team. Or the commercial side of the organization are obviously um, driving one direction, which I have to say, like, we need it for the survival of the sport. I don't agree with everything, but in terms of the plans for the future years, and they will always come back to the fact that, um, and it's the same with, with other sports, is like, we need to get a product that is sellable to media, hence the reduction. Sure. So the reduction in the field is so that the it's more manageable for media to see and to sell a story of these athletes um the plan is you know if we can make this product successful media buy-in and i know people have said it and all the other sponsors buy in it that is going to bring more money into the sport and then give us two or three years time we can start feeding that money down and we can expand it out to going back to giving more people the bonuses. We can expand it out to maybe another tier of racing. We can expand it out to other initiatives that help everybody. But we don't have that money yet. And we don't have... And, and if we don't get that money, this is not going to happen. This will fail. There will be no PTO. And then nobody is getting anything. Do you know what I mean? So it's hard yeah, to swallow. I, and I'm not hard. 100% because I'm not I get, I get yeah, super I'm not torn. Sold. And I'm... Believe me, I'm campaigning as an athlete representative on the board to do stuff for the whole membership now. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the, the argument is, and I understand their point of view is like, we can do that, but that will come in a few years time and we can grow it and expand it down and help have these development programs and help those other athletes. But we need to get the top stars, the household names in the sport to bring more interest in so that that right, cascades right. You're hoping down. that like a Lucy and a Jan yeah. and a whoever, a Daniela, yeah. Norwegians, that you make them such big names, you can sell huge TV deals, and then you can... Yeah. I think the problem, of course, because and I think there are multiple the, problems with that as a theory. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like, a, I, I understand the theory, yeah. right? I think there are obvious holes yeah. that like are super easy to pick, like poke right yeah. now. Um, and one of them is that they're going after the same sponsors that the athletes number 50, 60, 70 are going after. So they're like, no, they're not going cannibalize. No, not anymore. So that's a big, again, and it's a big, arg- a, a, a big challenge I've had to them. They don't want sport. They don't want product sponsors. Endemic. They don't want they don't endemic, endemic sponsors. sponsors. They want they the want. big they were, yeah. brands of the big corporate brands who have the money. Like there's, we all know, you know, like we, we've, we've talked about it sure. last few weeks. There's no money in the sport. So in theory, that should leave 
those athletes able. The other thing it should do, um, and again, please don't crucify me. I don't agree fully, but I'm trying to pitch the right way is there will be opportunities for everyone else because those top athletes, yes, people might feel it's they're feeding the rich to get richer. They will be racing at that, those levels, but that in theory should free up all the other races that still have good prize money for people to go and right. race. But those are the, like the non-PTO ones, right? Because obviously... Well, like, yeah, but they're the Ironman, like the, the Challenge, the Clash, and those yeah, yeah, races yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. World Triathlon and, and stuff like that. So, sure, sure. Cause, yeah. Because like, right now, obviously, the PTO just invites... If they just invite the top 30 or yeah. whatever, and then those races count for more in the ranking yes. system. Which, and then the top and I would, ranked you know, athletes, look, which is understandable. Exactly. But then the top ranked yeah. athletes get the... Bo- yeah. Then it just becomes yeah, this like, totally. circle, right? And circle. Believe yeah. me, we've had these conversations right. and... It tears a lot of us on the athlete board. It tears us apart because, you know, heart v. head and all of that sort of stuff. Um, and we can see, yeah, that, that, that gap getting bigger. And that's, that's where I would love us as an athlete board to step up and say, yes, we're going to support everything that the commercial side of the PTO is doing because we are one organization. But as athlete boards, this is what we can do to help the full membership in the short term. And so... I'll do a little pitch. Like if those athletes have ideas of what they want, I mean, I can't just hand, I can't hand them money because I need it as well. But other stuff around what we can do as athlete and as an athlete board for the membership, please let me know because I want to kind of drive that. And I want to push that to the commercial team to say, hey, look, we can do this. It's not going to cost you anything. We can do this. Like, I think this is low hanging fruit. I think this is quick wins, which will do a lot for the bigger membership to bring them on board with the direction that you're going. And Again, it's hard because it's kind of like year after year um, that people have sort of seen this story. I I will just say that I think Chris Commode is a different person being in charge and who's running running it. And he's got an incredible amount of experience um, and skin in the game, I would say. Like he has a huge reputation. Um, He speaks very well. He explains it. Yes, again, he's open to having the discussions. He wants to hear more from us as uh, as athletes i would also say the plan for the next few years it's gonna hurt some people um Mm -hmm. and not everyone is gonna like it but it is also incredibly exciting and if they pull it off it's could be like it could be really something um and i think people have to have that faith that like we need to get a product out there with media and sponsors, which we don't have. We've done an incredible amount in a short amount of time to actually have quite a big voice in the world, but without really a product. Like Chris will say, like... Right, well, you just had money, right? And money will buy you a to, voice. To a certain extent, but we haven't really had yeah. anything <laughs> we're selling. So we need to get something that is bought into by media, by brands, by sponsors... And once that's established, then you can start developing the rest of the sport. Like, you know, he uses a, a great example. Um, and again, I'm just the messengers who don't necessarily <laughs> shoot me, but I understand it, you know, and his background is tennis. So, you know, and I, I'm hopefully he won't, I won't butcher the way he says it, but, you know, doubles players or lower ranked players in tennis were saying, well, going to him, Chris is saying, well, we want more money. We want to get paid more, but that, you know, they were getting paid quite a lot. And he's like, well, why though? Because I'm looking at the court that you're playing on. There's nobody in the stands watching. Like you're not selling tickets. Who, where do you expect that money to come from? 
And yet, sure, but that's the same. And yet, a Kyrgios, not that I necessarily like him, or a Federer, or whatever, you put their name on a draw and it sells tickets. That's where the money is coming. I'm not saying that. I'm very conscious. I'm very conscious of the difference. That's the same argument people use for like why women's sports shouldn't make much money. But that's also because if you don't create it, people don't come. Right? You have to market it, create it, and put it on TV. Totally. But just to give people that sense of it's like. We have, and so again, he will say in the same sentence though, what the plan is about is creating those stories and making household names of those athletes so that people are aware of them, know about them, and then that will bring people in to watch other sport and stuff. It's, yeah, I can I mean, argue I guess, both ways. I guess as the well. argument, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. I you. understand the argument. I guess I just yeah. don't. I mean, obviously, it doesn't matter. I'm not in charge. Yeah. But, and we're going to hand it over to you and Ruth yeah. to talk all about the PTO. I think the problem, the big difference, and like, obviously, I mean, you know this, like my husband works in politics. I listen to a lot, like, and I would do a lot of stuff. And you, you always hear similar arguments. Yeah. Just trust I me. I, I need to make all the money right now. And then once yeah. I make all the money, I'll have extra to give yeah. to you. Right. And, and doesn't, and that's, and I think your big, I think the big problem is going to be, is that you have asked all pros to sign, like to, to invest, to sign on, to sign a contract, to, to buy in and support the PTO. So they need, like, to your point, they need to see some more immediate, like, benefit, right? Like, all those other people need to see some reason why they should give a shit. Because otherwise, like, they're just like, cool. Like, that kind of very topic is being discussed on tomorrow's (laughs) athlete board meeting in terms of full membership, what can we expect with the direction we're going and that sort of thing. So very conscious of that and also again i will keep driving it even if i keep hitting a brick wall all the time and i keep like just battering my head that i really believe we as an athlete board can do stuff in the short term for the full membership to bring them on board um i've got my own idea i've got my own ideas i know the board athlete board some some people have some great ideas as well um obviously those ideas have got to be what the members want it's not just me going off on my own kind of campaign (laughs) um but i just need to keep we just need to keep chipping away and getting more people on board to show that that's that we can do that as an athlete board and you know that goes back the way it was set up originally was a very different role um Mm -hmm. but i think you know, and talking to Ruth, we have some great people, some great minds, some great athletes across a range of sports and territories and ages. And I feel the momentum is gaining that we as an athlete board could do have some, have some well, just have an impact on that side of things. Like right. we're not necessarily going to change, like we can put our voices forward to the commercial team and they are, I think there is going to be more work together to integrate the two at the moment what's kind of two separate parts of the organization i think there'll be a lot of work going forward to try and pull that together more um but ultimately the investors are a key stakeholder as well the media is a stakeholder as well as the athletes and you've got to balance everyone's views into what's going to be successful but as i said i will keep pushing to yeah. get it's stuff like, done in the short term because that, that I mean that's why I wanted to be involved in the athlete board like I wanted right. to do stuff like I didn't want to just sit there and be on a monthly call um occasionally asking and if you opinion, don't have the, like, if you don't 
have the athletes buy in if you don't have the athletes voice and it isn't if it doesn't represent the athletes which is how it was originally pitched then the pto is really just another race company that targets the pros and makes money and sells tv right like and if it doesn't have athlete board then that's what it is it's just a race company with investors yes exactly yeah and um, yeah i think the way it's been described to us as athletes in the past was misleading for what it was mm-hmm. and when it was like an athlete union and, well, no 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 not even the union but um and i just have to be very careful because there's a lot of people who've done a lot of work <laughs> behind the scenes but uh, uh, you know to get it to where we are today and i don't think anyone would deny that they are in a worse place today with the pto than where they were before um but i think the way it was described in terms of athlete led as such was misleading Mm -hmm. and is not again it's not unusual for this sort of type of organization to have athlete reps but it's not necessarily that we're running it but we have a say and we need to be integrated into those decisions so I just think some of the communication if they just changed some slight wording it would have helped and now we're having to rebuild and re-explain or bring people along again and bridge those gaps that i think has been damaged in the past just from a very slight wording that's left led led people to and and i would say me, me too the athlete board too kind of thing um so so yeah we'll see um I mean, obviously the PTO, I mean, PTO is like the, I want to say controversial because I hate the word controversial. Hottest topic in the triathlon. (laughs) Everyone has different opinions on whether, you know, what will happen in the next three to five years. Yeah. So. But I would say, so things we did discuss, I know you said we were going to keep this short, but um, so yes, the, the prize purse for those races is probably going to be seen as less, but we felt it was very important to keep the winner with a hundred K payout because that's really a great point for media to talk about it's Mm -hmm. a big thing it's biggest prize you know prize purse i think again yes the pto races are at the top of the rankings in the tiered system but it's a pto ranking system so you can't really have a pto ranking they can do whatever they want with their money sid well that as well so um they can do whatever they want it's just like you know obviously people are gonna have opinions yeah so um and there's does the Kona other does things, the Kona winner still get more than a hundred? I don't know. The there Kona are other there like are other reasons why some of the changes have taken place, mm-hmm. which will become a lot clearer when the plans come out for next year. <laughs> and so it might it might not seem complete sense now, but hopefully, when things become clearer going forward, people will be going, "Oh, okay, I see why we've done X, Y, and Z." Uh, Kona, I think, I don't know, actually. I don't know how much they get. Yeah, I think the winner makes 125, 100. I remember looking it up last year because I was like... And then in theory, you'd hope on the back of that. You'd hope on the back of that. Hope on the back of that, the endorsements and stuff, then double, triple that. But yeah, that's always... You would think so. Yeah. So anyway... Yeah. Well, we're going to hand it over to you and Ruth yeah. to talk about even more things, PTO, all things PTO, <laughs> how the PTO works. So I think actually a lot of people didn't even know there was a commercial team or an athlete board yeah. or a rankings committee or like all these different things that kind of go into it. Um, yeah. So. Hopefully. 
Thanks for chatting with me. We'll hand it off to you two now and, and let you guys take it from here. Thanks, Kelly. Okay, well, I am really pleased to have Ruth Astle on the podcast today talking all things PTO and more. Ruth is a professional triathlete from the UK. She's a, and I hope I'm getting this right, three times Ironman champion, fifth at St. George at the Ironman World Champs last year, 14th in Kona. All of this in a pretty short space of time, having turned pro in 2019 after being the overall amateur female champion in Kona that year. Also off the back of breaking a collarbone, I think about eight weeks before. She can correct me on that in a minute. Plus add in COVID into that and Ruth's rise in the sport from age grouper to probably world-class professional is incredibly impressive. She's currently ranked 22nd in the PTO rankings, which we'll come on to later. Um, as an age grouper, you are part of the Zwift Academy. You've got a YouTube channel. You're probably and probably one of the few female athletes that has a YouTube channel, which I think is pretty awesome. Um, you still work corporate in the corporate world a couple of days a week. You are an integral part of the successful Sub 8 project with Kat Matthews. Most recently, you've been voted onto the PTO Athlete Board by your peers. Um, but prior to this, you were part of a group of athletes who've been working hard to develop the new PTO ranking system, which was launched just recently. Thank you very much for that. Um, I mean, that's a fair amount that you've packed in in the last few years and you've achieved in such a short amount of time. Um, and, and we're going to dig into a lot of that. But, you know, Ruth Asselt, welcome to the Triathlon-ish podcast. How are you doing today? Or this <laughs> evening for you, I should say. Yeah, this evening. Thanks for having me. Um, good to be on. And yeah. yeah, I think if you, when you lay it out like that, it's quite, um, yeah, it makes it feel like I've done a bit more than I thought so <laughs> yeah yeah I hope you I hope you kind of sit back and like just realize because I think you know turning turning pro in 2019 but then if you consider there's COVID for 12 months 18 almost 24 months and then you know fifth place wasn't it in St George and just bouncing out and then your, your wins and stuff it's been it's been pretty impressive D does it sink in do you kind of realize what you've achieved and how much you've accelerated through the ranks yeah I think in many ways yes like when you actually look back and reflect and um yeah I think when I do some of like my my end of year videos and try and actually think about where I've got to um more because I was actually having some conversations as a guy that I've just started coaching and he's like very corporate and um he actually said he was like one of the reasons I wanted you to coach me is because you've kind of been where I've been uh, so we were kind of talking about that whole journey in and you know I sort of said to him I was like if you'd said to me even probably five years ago maybe like more like six or seven but if you'd said at that point oh you're going to be a professional athlete <laughs> like I would have just laughed in your face <laughs> and be like don't be so ridiculous like, I'm not I'm not good enough to do that so I think yeah often on some of those like slightly crappier days or the days when you're feeling a bit down because you've not had a good session um yeah I try and remind myself of actually you could be sat behind a desk still having <laughs> like a really long boring day yeah. so uh, yeah. yeah definitely feels like a long way 
I mean, I should. Have, I didn't even add in to your list of achievements that you you coach quite a few athletes as well. I have no idea where you find the time to that. And I looked at your training hours from last week, um, and I was like, I have no idea how you fit <laughs> all of that in. The hours don't add up. Um, I also guess the YouTube channel actually also probably helps to kind of have that reflection on where you where you are and what you've been doing. Um, okay, so going on like. You said you're coaching some people and he said, you know, wanted to be coached by you because you've, you've been where he is. You, you've been in the corporate world. Let, let's go back then. Where, how did you get into the sport then? You know, <laughs> where did it all start from growing up and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, I mean, growing up, I was just, I liked sporty things. I was never very good at anything. Uh, like I just was active. I had a very active, competitive family. Like I'm one of four siblings. So it was always a kind of, you know my like where are you in the where are you in the rankings of the siblings yes oh no (laughs) you're one of four I'm one of four (laughs) (laughs) um oh I don't know I'm hopeless on this I'm youngest in mine I'm we're four girls okay where are you I'm number three and I'm classic middle child I was was gonna (laughs) I was going to say, I think, I think I'm going to put you in the middle. Yeah, <laughs> it's very much middle. Um, I had like my older sister who was like very, um, I'd say like sort of straight and narrow in terms of was the kind of example, like clearly felt the pressure of us looking up to her. Then I had my older brother who was literally like golden child, really good at everything, could do no wrong. Anytime he did something slightly naughty, definitely not his fault. It's- it's always the second child isn't it that's the golden child I'm gonna say that about my second second eldest and my sisters Mm. and then I just wasn't as good at getting away with stuff um and then obviously my younger brother was the youngest so he got away with murder gets away with everything yeah Um, I'm gonna that is not true the youngest does not get away with everything uh, but yes I think like we were all like all pretty sporty all just kind of got stuck into everything um but hockey was my sort of I guess bigger sport that I did more of um again was never very good just ran around quite a lot um continued playing that at uni and where um I'm guessing where where did you play on the hockey I played hockey I'm guessing you were kind of midfield I'm thinking yeah just running up and down had like zero skill (laughs) just run around Yeah. just make, go up and chase that ball yeah. and we I should say because we do have a like field hockey field we're hockey, talking about yeah. like hockey in the UK um yeah I was the same it was like go up and chase that ball oh no can you go back and defend yeah. that oh no can you go up and yeah 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 all right so, so hockey yeah <laughs> so yeah did that through uni as well and then when I left uni and I joined the grad scheme at Lloyds Bank um and moved to London and sort of really missed having something competitive and something sort of social and sporty as well. And a lot of the hockey clubs were all kind of on the edge of London. It was a real trek to get to them. And I like I kind of also knew that I'd been lucky, sort of lucky in some ways at uni to play a really good level because I was kind of, that they sort of needed someone that could run. But I was like, I don't think I'm actually good enough to play that level at some of the clubs that are actually good so like weighing it all up I was like the fa- factor of getting out to there plus probably not being in the first team not sure I want to do that um so actually I started training for Berlin Marathon because I was just running I was like running's easy you can obviously do it from anywhere and at the time um so on the grab placement with Lloyd's we basically had like 
four different placements, like completely different um, parts of the business. And my second placement was with the charity of the year team. Um, and they had a load of spots at London Triathlon. And they were like, do you fancy one? <laughs> and I was a bit like, yeah, I'm really bored of running. Uh, I have a bike. I've not really cycled <laughs> very much. I used to do like a little bit of swimming. I can swim. So uh, yeah, I was like, why not? I'll give it a go. I actually just really enjoyed it and then looked a little bit more into this whole triathlon thing, found my local tri club, full on tri, um, joined that after and just kind of got absolutely obsessed, I guess, like started with all the little local sprints, basically any time anyone at the club was injured and was like, I've got a spot this race. I was like, I'll take it. So race like all these random races um then started hearing about uh oh you can race for gb as an age grouper i was like what like, i could actually represent great britain like that's so cool like someone who was never particularly great at sport i was like wow i could actually like yeah. put on a gb vest that's cool so I then made that my aim and got out to chicago for the world champs at olympic distance in 2015 i think it was um and very quickly realized from that that like my swim was rubbish. My run was pretty rubbish compared to what the top age groupers were doing. So I was like... Two, two, two out of the three, it's yeah. fine. <laughs> so I'm going to have to yeah. get longer. So I'm going to have to maximise what I'm good at. Um, and I think like a month before it, I'd done my first longer than Olympic distance try in Alp Duez, which was in many ways amazing. But also I like... <laughs> not really sure why I thought this was a good idea, but I tried sodium loading the night before. And had just like off like not really very much info um, and just, yeah, like had the worst stomach issues that whole day, but still loved it and was like, this is really cool. Longer bike suits me. So then like moved up to halves. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of how I got into it. So work, I have work to thank for the whole triathlon thing anyway. And when was that... Um kind of transition moment or that flicking of the switch in your head when you kind of went from yes I've got my corporate career and I'm loving doing this triathlon and sport as a hobby and it's like feeding that side of me but when did that start to transition into going oh maybe there's a career in sport or maybe I could do and I won't say full-time because you're not and we'll come on to that but maybe I can do this professionally yes I actually think it must have been I think 2017 is probably the first time I started actually thinking about it. Um, I think I'd started seeing more stories about people like you, people like Lucy Gossage, um, people that had had other careers and had managed to transition in pretty successfully and make it their living. And I was like, you know, people could do it and do it quite late. Um, like that is a possibility. At that point, I didn't really think I was necessarily good enough and I'd only just done my first Ironman and in my head I was like well I think if I want to go pro I was like I think there's like two conditions one of them is I need to be senior enough at work that if I take a break from it I can get back in quite easily um because yeah basically I like I think specifically in, in Lloyd's there's like certain grades that if you're above a certain grade it's way easier to kind of step out and get back in on a half decent job um and I was also like I really want to win Kona as an age grouper because I was like then I'll feel like I've kind of validated 
being able to go pro. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I get that. I think that's a great, yeah. Yeah. So then I just I, was, the mine day. was a little bit, the, mine was a little bit the same with sort of um, 17.3 worlds. Yeah. And that's what I was doing as an age group at that point. I kind of felt I had to win before I could sort of, I, I think possibly for me, it was like sport was still the hobby. And I had, like, I was very much growing up. It was driven through that corporate space. And I don't know yeah. if that was the same for you. So I, I really, it was quite a odd thing to think of sport then potentially as doing yeah. it professionally. So I kind of had to feel that there was that justification in winning 70.3 world champs, or I guess in your case, yeah, Kona, was that kind of a similar? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think <laughs> post 2019, when I said to my parents, oh, I'm thinking of turning pro as triathlon, they'd be like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, what does that, what does that, that doesn't change anything, does it? And I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to go part-time. They're like, oh, like, are you sure? Like, is that like really? And I was like, yeah, I think it's a good thing to do. And then I think last year I was considering actually potentially stepping away from Lloyd's um, completely because, like, you know, I was kind of tossing up. I was a bit like, you know, if I'm actually trying to give everything to triathlon, should I still have a foot in this door? Um, and I still have like moments of conflict of whether I think it's the right thing or not. But at the moment it's a kind of, doesn't really cause me any stress it's something interesting it seems like a good yeah. balance obviously good a good bit of financial security which is quite important but um yeah like when I was talking to dad about oh I might just leave he's like what <laughs> so, are you sure <laughs> um and he's actually like pretty open-minded about you know chase the things you're passionate about don't just spend all your time working but I think definitely you know, for their generation and then like almost from like how he brought us up. Yeah. Like there's still, I still have moments when I look at people at back in Lloyd's and I'm like, Oh, like I could, I could be in that job doing that. Um, yeah. And like, not that I really want to be, but there's still that part of me that's very much like, Oh, I should just be working my way up the corporate ladder. And when I get to CEO or something, yeah. then I've made it like, <laughs> it's just kind of, yeah. inbuilt. my, um, I, I remember when, um, so I'd moved to Australia with my corporate job at the time and it was in Australia. I started the sport, and I, it wasn't when I was turning pro, but I was changing jobs because my, I was, I worked for Shell and they were trying to then, it was just a two year signing in Australia. They were then sending me back to the UK and I wanted to stay in Australia because I'd found triathlon and all of this. So I started working for like a smaller boutique management consultancy firm. And my dad at that point was kind of like, are you sure you want to leave this big multinational yeah. because they have a really good pension scheme? <laughs> that was his kind of like, and then obviously God knows when it, when I then yeah left the corporate world and went full-time triathlete. And I mean, even now, um, like fam, not so much my family, but family friends, I'm pretty sure they're still like, how long is your gap year going to last? Yeah. And I'm like, well, it's been like, <laughs> it's been quite like 10 years or plus now. It's probably going to yeah. last a bit longer. But yeah, Definitely. it's... Um... And I, I think my mum's kind of more of the, when are you just going to stop doing this silly thing and have some babies? So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a whole nother one. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, let's... I won't I won't challenge you on the babies and the family question <laughs> I'll leave that I'll leave that separate but let's let's go back to like you are still working you're working 
two days a week now or kind of flexi hours still with Lloyd's? Very flexi now. I'm now on um, yeah, okay. a completely sort of annualised contract. So I sort of looked at this year, I knew roughly what kind of races and what kind of big training blocks I wanted to do. So I worked out roughly how many hours across the year do I think I can work. Um, so I'm doing that, which is a bit different to what I was. So up to basically now, I was doing basically two days a week, um, but split across the week. So it was still like pretty flexible, yeah. um, but it was way more specific things I was doing that involved working more like with the team so it was a bit more stressful in some ways of kind of actually having to make certain calls at certain times and kind of work I guess like when I was out for sort of six seven weeks of like pre-Kona that's quite hard to be away for that long and then so you like you've handed everything off and then you kind of come back into it and so there's that I, did, I, did, I spent a lot of time last year feeling like I wasn't being very effective in that job because of like chunks of time out, handing yeah. stuff off, coming back. Um, so actually I had a massive chat with my manager and I was like, look, I think there's probably a better way of using my time that adds value because, you know, I was like at the moment, I'm not sure I'm yeah. <laughs> doing that much that's that helpful. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're basically now going to be more on a, there'll be a kind of nice to-do list of stuff that I can basically pick up and look at so it'll be stuff that other people don't have time and capacity to do there's no time pressure on it I can just kind of go off do it on my own time um so yeah I think like for this year and that's partly the reason why I haven't left yet because they make it very easy for me to work um (laughs) so it's good yeah I I know I found it I went down to like three days a week at work when I kind of was considering turning professional and I was working like in the office though so maybe a bit different but like yeah. Tuesday Wednesday Thursday and I found I actually found it really hard to sort of split time that way because you sort of spend Tuesday catching up on the team from the Monday and then you get a day's work on Wednesday and Thursday you're sort of setting up for the weekend but so <clears throat> and you touched on it a little bit in terms of having that financial security but also but yeah is what's the sort of reason or the pull for like sticking or or still working those hours and obviously you've got that support and flexibility is it a financial security or is it just balance of you know you're clearly driven and you're smart mm. and you kind of know what you want and so there's that part of your brain that yes you can take that into sport but does it also need to have a have a different balance if that makes sense yeah so I think like definitely initially it was I'd say 90% financial um and I think now it's probably so you've you've also been you've also been pretty open and transparent over the past few years on sort of what what a pro athlete earns (laughs) as well yeah 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 and I think and I like the main reason I've done that is because actually when I was initially turning pro like I looked at all of Cody Beals's stuff that he did on it and I was like this is fascinating and like tried to almost take some tips of like what's he done how has he tried to make some money um because I think like when you first and it's so funny because like probably one of the most common questions I get from people when you say oh I'm a triathlete and they're like oh so you know like you just get supported by the government or whatever and it's like no long distance is like completely different (laughs) ball game (laughs) like you have to go sort everything out yourself um 
and they're like what you've got to pay to go to races I was like yeah <laughs> yes you do so yeah I think um definitely initially mainly financial um but yeah I'd say now it's more like 50 50 of having something that's not triathlon related um which quite often helps put things in perspective because you know some of what I'm do it so like at Lloyd's I'm basically part of our broader inclusion and diversity team but specifically I'm looking at kind of agility so it's how do we work in the most agile way or enable people to work in the most agile way to be the most efficient so um but it kind of links into all sorts of broader societal things like I have been looking at doing stuff around age and when you start looking at some of the figures of like the aging population in the UK and what that means for workers and all this, like there's so much stuff around it that's just like fascinating and it makes triathlons seem like such a tiny little thing. So again, it, like it just gives a bit of extra perspective. Like anytime I start getting too hung up in the whole triathlon world, I can be like, oh, well, there's like yeah. much bigger problems out there. As I, I was say, what, what triathlete, triathlon isn't like the world, the, the no. thing, like most, a lot of people would, would think it is. Um, gosh, I, my, you've now got like my corporate side of my brain going <laughs> yeah. and I would love to like, you know, just tangential, tangent off and discuss things about the corporate world, but that's kind of not what we're doing. But no. it was interesting you said about sort of, when you say you're a professional athlete and people kind of say, oh, well, you're just supported by the government or, or things. Yeah. And you're like, well, long distance isn't the case. So kind of brings us quite nicely round to the PTO, yeah. the Professional Triathletes Organization. And what <clears throat> that was established or created to do, um, I guess, as a, what does... What does it mean? What does a professional triathletes organisation? What does the PTO mean mean for you? And what do you feel it represents for the sport? So I think for me, it is it mainly represents trying to make triathlon a bigger sport. Like I think they're trying to do something a bit different. They're trying to get that broader interest because I think again, like we kind of we all get very caught up and very passionate about triathlon but it's such a tiny proportion of people that know about it, care about it, understand it. It's, you know, I think, so I think for me, it's the, you know, they're actually trying to break out of that little triathlon bubble and make it bigger and kind of tell some of those stories, which I think is really important. Cause I think, you know, for any sport, both growing it or just trying to keep bringing in new talent, like you need some money in the sport somewhere. I think, you know, without the PTO, like the last couple of years would have been pretty different for me from a financial perspective. Um, and definitely over COVID, obviously the races that they helped support was massive. So just from a new pro getting in and having races to race. Um, so, yes, I think like that's... Because you, you picked a really, you picked a really good really time shit, to yeah. pro. <laughs> I li- and that was, again, I was like, initially, when I initially turned pro, I was going to take a sabbatical. And I was like, thank God I didn't. Like, if I'd taken us, it would have been such a waste. <laughs> I would have spent six months at home. <laughs> so, yeah. Why? What What does PTO I mean, mean to you? Yeah, I, I guess sort of very early days, and we've spoken about this on, on the board, and I'll come on to, we can come on to, like, the structure and what it, what it how the PTO is set up. It was, as you said, there was 
you know, the short course triathlon, the Olympic distance, they do get a lot of government funding. It's national federations, it's pathways of performance through to the Olympic Games and the the long course. And by long course, I'm I'm saying, you know, half distance, 70.3 in the full iron distance races. There was never that support. And so originally the the intention of the athletes that came together in, I think it was Bahrain um, many years ago, was about creating a support system for that long course in the sport. But I do think now you're right in terms of what it is, is there's a bigger picture of it's how do we break out of that little bubble and make the sport mm. a big global um, entertainment. I don't know if that's the right word, but a an interest for the masses because that is only going to then bring more eyes onto the sport, bring more money into it. So it's kind of... I'd like to think we've still got that focus on the long course, um, but I think, and, that, and that's hard for people because I think the sort of the direction has changed a little bit. I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I think they're doing mm. some some great things, and it's really exciting. Um, I guess, yeah. So that's kind of I think where I'm. I guess give a little background to people. The the PTO at the moment it's sort of set up, and a lot of people probably don't know this. It's um, it's kind of got two two parts to the PTO I think and please jump in if you if you think any like differently there's there's the commercial arm and that's based in sort of mainly in London there's the the offices and that's kind of the marketing team the social media that's obviously the the finance and the the investment goes in that way and that's where um Sam Renouf and Chris Commode who are is our new chairman um are sort of driving that vision of what triathlon can be to the to the bigger world um trying to get that a product out that's entertaining that's sellable to the media that will engage people over a season of events and things like that and can tell those narratives stories of the athletes and then also we have an athlete board which sits and that's six current athletes or recently retired but at the moment it's current it is a 50 50 split men and women um we serve a two-year term on there um, and overlap three people sort of roll off and roll on every year. So there's always a or try to be a continuity. Um, at the moment, the board members are Matt Hansen, Tim O'Donnell, Aaron Royal, uh, Paula Findlay, yourself, myself as well. And then we have Dylan McNeese, who is sort of a, he's a full-time PTO employee, I guess, but sort of works for the athlete board um and we meet we meet once once a month and i guess the aim is to represent the athlete membership and work with the commercial team to develop or have a have an athlete input into those those plans um going back to you what was it that wanted like why did you want to get involved in in being voted or putting yourself forward for nomination for the athlete board and then obviously gained the respect and um confidence of the peers of the members to be successfully voted on um i mean i think it's similar to why i put myself forward for the rankings committee um yeah which the... was, yeah i'm gonna ask that one as well <laughs> yeah uh, yeah like, i think you know i i've been fairly outspoken on some of my views of what i think pto has done um and what they're trying to do um so I felt, you know, like, I feel like if you're, if you want to have an opinion on something, 
then you need to be able to back it up to at least want to try and change it. If like if you're saying yeah. you think there should be change, otherwise just don't bother voicing the opinion. Um, if you're just going to moan yep. for the sake of moaning, um, and I thought given what the PTO has already done and where it's trying to go, I was also like, I want to be part of that. Like, I want to help shape that. Um, I think like part of me probably thought given some of the, I guess, kind of shift towards shorter stuff, it probably needed a few more like longer, longer, longer course <laughs> athletes helping give a bit of a voice and perspective. Um, I guess just to try and keep that balance a bit. But yeah, I like mainly I was like, it looks like something exciting. Again, I like I like using my brain on corporate style things. So I was just like, yeah, it sounds good. I want to be part of it. I was going to say, do you think it is that corporate background of kind of still wanting to have that sort of connection in, but then into into sport that kind of, drives as well i mean obviously you are still working and have those hours so you have got that that outlet as well but is that sort of a a driving fact or do or do you think that that experience is valuable bringing it into a a board environment in sport um i think a bit of both i think um yeah i think i felt that with my corporate background i could bring something helpful just from a (laughs) like i've seen lots of Lots of board meetings at big <laughs> corporates uh, being very inefficient. So I was like, I have some ideas on how we can help make it work. Um, I was like, I, I was saying that you've only actually attended one board meeting so far, which was a face to face. And I'm like, we've got our next board meeting next month. And I'm like, oh gosh, Ruth's on. She's going to be like, like <laughs> ranking our uh, inactability to run a meeting. But yeah. <laughs> no, it's all good. So yeah, I feel like it was partly that. And then, um, and yeah, I think I've, I was interested in seeing, I guess, some of that more sports corporate world because I've not, I've not really yeah. seen any of that. So again, it's like thinking about long term future stuff because um, I definitely don't ever want to go back to an office five days a week. Uh, so yeah, I thought I yeah. thought you know it's a good <laughs> a good bit of experience to get and kind of think about maybe that's a direction to go in sort of post racing. Yeah, yeah. And I and I guess then you know you you mentioned as well obviously you've been involved in the rankings committee which I would say I was going to say sort of the current hot topic <laughs> although is the rankings although maybe I think we might still be talking about Rihanna's halftime show at the Super Bowl or the S Club <laughs> Seven reunion um, yeah. at the moment but um, what and I think you've you, you know you've said probably wanting to be involved in the rankings committee rather than just speaking openly about it actually have ha, yeah how but how did you get involved in that what was that process I've explained to kind of those people that maybe don't know that there was a rankings committee that was set up and and why yeah so I think obviously people have been quite vocal about rankings uh, since they came out and it must have been sort of October time, 2021. I think the PTO basically sent an email out to everyone saying, we're going to set up a rankings committee. <laughs> if you want to be on it, put your name forward. Um, I think about seven or eight of us initially put our names forward. A few people dropped out quite early on, but our little committee was formed. So it was all people that were pretty passionate about changing it, 
wanted to be involved, obviously had ideas on what we could change it to. Um, and yeah, we then basically spent nine months coming up with different <laughs> different systems <laughs> that we could test. Um, yeah, I think for, again, for background, like we started with a, what are the principles that we think the ranking system should cover? Because, you know, I think the biggest issue people had with the previous system was the transparency and the fact that people didn't always understand the points. It wasn't always that clear or that easy for Joe blogs on the street to work out how do I calculate these points. So um, transparency was one. Simplicity was another, which we may or may not have hit. <laughs> um, being objective, because I think, again, that was another thing that came out, like the sort of ideal time was often seen to not be that objective, mainly because I think people didn't understand how it was calculated. Um, yeah. And then, then the last one was sort of fair, which was more about not being completely skewed towards the top athletes, but ensuring that there was still a kind of pathway up. Um, so yeah, we started with those principles. Yeah. We started with like very simple systems of literally just having tiers, a little bit like the World Triathlon system is at the moment. Um, but yeah, basically long course triathlon is not in a place where it's kind of developed enough to do that until you know it's obviously lots of different races there's not just a series of races that everyone races there's lots of different races you don't know who's going to turn up it's very different strength of fields etc um so yeah that was where we ended up with the system we now have which i think you know i think it's definitely a step in the right direction i don't think it's necessarily at the end game yet you know I think as you know over this year there'll probably be little nuances or things that come out that we're like oh we probably need to tweak that or maybe we need to think about this um but yeah I think in terms of what we initially set out to do I think it's ticked those boxes um and so far like most of the feedback I've seen has been really positive so I think that's a win yeah I think I I think you guys did a great job because I did not envy what you had to do. I mean, we're all, it's very easy to be critical of a system, but to actually come up with changes that, that kind of solve some of the issues um, is really difficult, uh, especially as you said, in a sport, in our sport where there's different distances of races and different, you know, it's not world triathlon where it's the same athletes going to the same races on a, on a circuit. Um, and I do think a lot of people don't appreciate how complex mm. it is to try and create that system. I think they do sort of go, why don't you just copy this sport or this sport? Yeah. And it's not quite as easy. And I think you did, you did assess sort of other sporting ranking systems as well, didn't you? Yeah. And sort of tried to see if they would like tennis and golf and, and stuff like that. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. We looked at all of them because <laughs> we were like, if there's one, we yeah. can just literally copy and paste yeah, that makes our copy. life a lot easier <laughs> but yeah as you said our sport is very different at the moment um and yeah it was like it, it was really hard and I think it definitely made all of us appreciate a bit more kind of the work that Torsten's done and the complexity yeah. behind it um so yeah but yeah as I said I think like what I've seen so far people seem reasonably happy yeah, I, I think for me as well, a lot of it was around that transparency and 
maybe it's not well I don't know maybe it's not as simple as people think mm. it might be and they may still think it's complicated but actually it's tra- like you said it's transparent you can see where the points are get you, you're going to get, get the points from there's no black box so to speak there's no not understanding the algorithms it's kind of you can you can see it all um, the other thing, I mean, I think there has been, I did see a few comments uh, yesterday when I was just sort of having a scroll through to see what the reaction had been. And we've gone to a tiered race system. So ranking races over, I think, five tiers. And there was a bit of backlash I saw from a few people. Only like, not again, I think on the whole, the the, the acceptance has been pretty positive, but a few few people and you'll always get a few sort of saying, oh, I think it's, it's bad that they're, they're forcing the athletes to race the PTO races because they're the highest ranked races. And I mean, obviously I'll get your thoughts on this, but I just want to say, you know, it is a PTO ranking system. And if the PTO races weren't the top tier, then kind of, you know, what does that say about what we're trying to do for the sport? You know, I think they have, it has to be, it's a PTO ranking system, but yeah, I mean, give it, give us, and I know there was, uh, but it's also the the because there has been some questions around some of the races and what tiers. It's it's done on prize money, and the PTO are putting up a lot of prize money for their races as well, isn't it? So that's kind of where that ranking, or the tiered system came from. Yeah, and I think again, for most people, like both for the athletes and for the fans, having the top athletes all racing each other more times a year is better. Like that's what people want to see. Yeah that's what makes the racing exciting um so you know because I, I had this debate with someone earlier and they're like oh but isn't it bad that you're kind of saying this race is worth more than that I was like no like it is like it just it, like going yeah. via prize money you know 70.3 Lanzarote like even if you have the most amazing performance that's subjective like unless you had yeah. everybody racing on exactly the same power meter and you know what everyone's weight is and you've got watts per kilogram whatever but like even then it's like someone might be way more aero so even that's not a great test of that's your best performance so i think yeah it's, so, it's, it's so this is coming from the, the the female that is probably the most aero out there i don't think <laughs> i've seen anyone who is more compact or aero in a race but anyway yeah yeah my watch yeah. Would never be that impressive um so yeah i think you know i get i like i do get people kind of questioning the tears but um as i've sort of said to people yeah like and like you've said it's, it's a pto system they want people to race their races i agree with that they should be getting people to race their races um i think they're putting up prize money yeah, like big prize money. And if by having those tiers, we help encourage other races to put up more prize money, that's kind of a win-win for everyone. And then I think the other thing that also, because, uh, you know, again, like I said, we were we wanted to make sure that the system allowed for upcoming athletes, people that weren't up in that top tier, maybe weren't necessarily qualifying for PTO events yet, because most of the top athletes will just be concentrating on those top tier events because of the prize money and the points that then leaves you know regional champs all the other Ironman 70.3 challenge independent races as basically like pretty much free pickings like that should leave it actually Mm. more open for other athletes to go and win races get you know sponsor podium bonuses for doing that 
um, and still get, you know, enough points. Like we basically worked it out because when we were doing it and someone was questioning me on this, I was like, we worked out that if you won three normal Ironmans or three normal 70.3s, you should have enough points to get you into the top 40. So like if you're mm-hmm. racing well, you'll be rewarded. If you're not, yeah. you won't, which is how sport yeah. works. <laughs> yeah. I certainly like the new ranking system when I looked yesterday yeah. and saw how many places I jumped up. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, like that kind of works for me. Um, like just, just on that, is there anything else though that you'd like to kind of get over as a message to not just like to the athletes, but also to the, the fans and the age group of the sport about the rankings or about anything from the, the PTO perspective? I think like, you know, the main thing would just be if you have, thoughts on it if you've got other suggestions like actually just feed them in you know I think one of the yeah. most positive things for me that it showed was some athletes had some thoughts about what they wanted to change it was listened to we were able to develop something new and it's now been implemented so I think the fact that you know if people have got other thoughts it might not be about rankings it might be about something completely different but you know please do feed it in to people that are on the athlete board or just directly into some of the comms team because you know, like they want to hear what people think. The only way that we're going to make it better is getting other people's input. Um, so yeah, yeah. any and it, like even if it's bad feedback, like I want bad feedback because then that's how you improve. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but just just give suggestions as well. Like say what's bad, but then give yeah. a give a positive or a constructive yeah. idea. I think <laughs> I, I would echo that completely. Like I think what the rankings committee did so you and and your fellow athletes has shown that yeah we can as athletes kind of take our ideas and it work with the commercial team and it is listened to and I think echoing that for other areas of the sport and if there's other ideas from age groupers or, or professionals um now we know <laughs> that the PTO has some exciting plans coming up for 2023 and into 2024 and as you said I think maybe the rankings will have to tweak and stuff but you know that's that's normal we're kind of a startup business if you look at it that way um and I feel it's going to be exciting and good for the sport but what about Ruth Assel what's (laughs) her exciting plans for uh, this year I know you're in Spain at the moment Mm. I'm very jealous because I'm looking out the window at several inches of snow oh. <laughs> here in Boulder and was back on the train at this morning going, why did I leave Spain again? Yeah. <laughs> but um, well, you're, you're in Calpe at the moment on training yeah. camp? It's actually been quite cold. I've not been out in a shorts oh, and jersey it? ride yet, but it's been pretty dry. Has your bike so... turned up as well? No, my TT bike's still in Bristol. Oh. Basically, Brexit has screwed us all. Never try and send anything from mm. England to Spain. It's a disaster. Yes, um, could have probably so forewarned after, about that after, one. After I was banging on about how good Ship to Cycle was and how great it was that I was going yeah. to go back to Spain uh, when we were in LA. Yeah, I feel like yeah. I basically emailed them today and I was like, if they can't have it here by tomorrow, don't bother because I'm leaving in a week. So yeah. Um, so you've but, got a gravel. You've got a gravel bike with you. I've got a gravel bike. Uh, I've actually now changed my tires, so I've got road wheels. So I just decided it's easier to be okay. more social. But I did get a couple of very cool gravel rides in, so it was worth bringing the gravel yeah. bike out for that. Um, so yeah, oh, yeah, what are my twenty twenty three plans? Um, 
the main you're, one. You're on. I mean, you're on the you're on the start list of the race of the year of <laughs> Challenge <Yes>. Roth. <laughs> Super excited for that. Like Roth, um, I did Roth in twenty. You raced as an age grouper, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It and it was on my thirtieth birthday, and it was epic. Like literally every little town that I run through it clearly like popped up on their thing that it was my birthday. So the announcer would say oh, it's Ruth's birth and they were all like singing happy birthday to me. It was like the oh, coolest race awesome. ever. Um, so yeah, like I was always like, I want to go back to Roth. Um, yeah. I was basically like, if I can get my Kona qualification early, then it's definitely on the list. So yeah, post Israel, I was on the, <laughs> on the email to Belinda. I was like, Belinda, get me in. Um, and I'm going to have to try and do the same for 2024 because it will be on my 35th birthday again, the actual race day. So, um, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So All basically right. so I need to right. yeah. go and podium at Kona this year, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which isn't out of the question. Let's say that isn't out no, of the that question. Would definitely be the aim, but, um, exactly. yeah, so yeah. other 2023 plans. My main plan is actually trying to change my swim stroke. So I'm working with front pack swim. I basically, I'm fed up of being so bad at swimming. Um, <laughs> and I was like, I need to try something new. <laughs> You're in me both. <laughs> oh, God. Like, I feel like I've tried yeah. so many things. I've tried lots of volume. I've tried less volume. I've tried just doing speed. Yeah. Anyway, so. Um, yeah, okay that's the main focus get to a point where I'm consistently where I want to be in the swim somewhere near the front yeah. <laughs> um then I'm hoping to do the European Open as and when that gets confirmed um what else and then yeah I've not really so yeah then Roth hopefully potentially US Open and the Asian Open I just haven't really worked out my logistics because um, it's quite a lot of travel um, and then basically Kona getting ready for Kona so I need to try and work out what else I can do to not have the disaster that I had last year so <laughs> yeah so which, that's it which I, I, I don't it's very hard as an athlete because we have high standards and I know just from talking to you and yeah. your background, you do have high standards. Like you had an incredible race in St. George in fifth place, which in your effectively first world championships as a professional was, was fantastic. I don't think like 14th doesn't sound horrific to a lot of people in like 14th in Kona in your, again, first outing, but I, I get it from an athlete's perspective and your standards of where you believe and are capable of doing. So, I mean, yeah. whether, was there anything, what did you learn then from that experience that you would change going forward? So I on, honestly, there's nothing really obvious. And I think that's probably the most frustrating thing with yeah. it. Um, and again, like when yeah. I say like mainly disastrous from a, like if I'd put, if I'd had a really good race and come 14th, I would be happy because I'd be like, that's what I had on the day. Yeah. But it was just one of those yeah. days that's, where, yeah. like, totally. I was bad in the swim. I then got onto the bike. I, then... my... <laughs> Don't take this wrong. My memory from that race, like, we're in the swim and, like, we're both that same mindset. We're, we both feel we're pretty shit at swimming. Yeah. And um, you'd had a great swim in the week before in the yeah. whatever we call it, the test swim. Anyway, 
And I remember being the being in the in the race, and we were coming. We're about maybe two thirds out to the first turn buoy, the big boat. And suddenly, I saw your cap, and I was like, "Oh, like Ruth's coming through now." And and you kind of got to sort of the front of like the group. We were quite a big group, but you got kind of near the front. And I was like, "I've got to stick with Ruth. I've got to stick with Ruth." Um, and then we were about to get, I'm sorry, this is going to be really bad. We're about to get to that first turn and suddenly you just went backwards. And yeah. I was like, oh, oh, where, what? And I just assumed at that point you'd, like, I didn't see you then. You just disappeared. And then I just assumed maybe you were at the back of the group and it wasn't until we got on the bike and that first bit round town. I was like, oh, wow, no, you did struggle on that second half. And it just... <laughs> In the nicest possible way. It just doesn't set you... Like, when you then... You just feel like you're chasing. Like, you come out and you see everyone at the road. It's just... And even though you've got your strength on the bike, like, it just makes it so hard. Yeah. And it just... And I think... I then got on the bike and I was like, I feel terrible. Like, couldn't yeah. push what I wanted to head down. Which, again, is unusual for you because... Yeah, and it's a you know it's a long day, but also you would, regardless of the swim, you'd expect to get on the bike and be like, right, I'm catching people now, and I'm moving through the field, and I'm going to probably ride myself up to near the front of the race. And when it doesn't happen, it's just, it's a yeah, it's a no, it's definitely not. It's not a nice it, feeling, um, is it? <laughs> uh, but like, oh yeah, sorry, my Wi-Fi is a bit there. terrible. Am I back? Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, and I, but I still kept. I was, I was thinking good. like, <laughs> oh, you know, in Tulsa, yeah, yeah. Got the you. year before, I had like similar, like really flat bike, but then actually ran really well. And I was like, in Kona, like if you have a good run, you know, you can definitely get up into that top ten again. So I was like, just keep your head, get out running. Felt kind of alright on the first ten k, just because it was like company down yeah. a leaky drive, and I was like, I don't yeah. feel terrible. And then basically got out on the Queen K, and I was like, I feel terrible. I was with Susie. Yeah. I was with Susie at that point and we were just like, right, <laughs> just let's just try and run together. <laughs> and she just went yeah. off disappearing and I was like, my legs are just not working. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I know. She was chasing. It was horrible. <laughs> she was, yeah. <laughs> but then, but, but let's say then you had a great race in Israel for is for Ironman Israel wasn't it at the end of the year which obviously yeah. you won and then got that got your Kona slot for this yeah. year which then frees up so much opportunities to race race what you want and it's it's exciting we get our own day again in Kona mm. which I think is positive that we're on our own day I think we'd all like to be together with the guys but obviously that's not that's not an option this year, yeah. but at least we've and got I'd much our rather own be day of racing. Nice, it's probably but, what yeah. would maybe leave it there. <laughs> next year. Next year we'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Probably. Yeah. Next year. Next year. All right. Conscious because it's nine o'clock now in Spain with you and you have had massive training yeah. weeks. Bedtime. I've got a couple of last a couple of last questions for you. Mm. Um, I did notice that you are, say you're a wine, lover of wine, red or white. Oh, lost you again, I think. We have, I've just temporarily lost Ruth. Um, that's, uh, I'm guessing we're going to blame that on uh, 
accommodation Wi-Fi. Um, she is in Spain, in Calpe, um, on a training camp, and but it is getting very late. So maybe it was just her going, I've had enough of this conversation. I'm just going to end it, pretend that it was the Wi-Fi that cut out. I just really want to go to bed, which could be the option. Um, I was just going to ask her last two questions on her choice of wine, which we got as far as reds. But um hope that was a good chat. Sorry, it ended a little bit abruptly at the end. Uh, we'll blame Ruth's Wi-Fi, not the fact that she probably just wanted to go to bed and was fed up of talking to me. Um, hope that gives you a little bit more insight into the PTO, the way it's structured, the athlete board, the work that Ruth was doing with the rankings committee, everything like that, a little bit into Ruth's career. And she is definitely an athlete to watch over the next few years. Um, I can certainly say just from knowing and interaction with her she's incredibly driven and detailed and planned and knows what she wants out of the sport and i think has every opportunity to get there so thank you for listening thanks for another week thanks kelly for letting me loose on the reins again kind of messed up at the end but there we go